Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay. <laughs> you're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 65 of Blue Jays Nation Radio delivered to you by our friends at DoorDash. Ding dong, DoorDash. Promo code BJNPODDD gets first time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. This is the season preview episode. We are days, I would like to think hours away from opening day, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. It is Tyler Ramchuk, it's Coombsy and BK. How's it going? And baseball season's here. I'm doing well. Excited. We had to bring out the big guns for the big podcast. Am I right, Cam? That's true. We had to give people a reason to listen to this. We're going to have um, <laughs> me and Tyler saying just objectively inaccurate, stupid things, saying the wrong names for players in X, Y, and Z. So we need be Brendan to come in here and make sure that uh, something makes sense. I'm here for accountability. <laughs> it's like in the last episode when you were like, no one on our podcast listens from Toronto. They're all just Albertans. Yep. And then we looked up the numbers live on the air and you were incredibly wrong on that. Um, all right. I want to start with the news that we kind of got over the last 24 hours here. Um, before we get into all our season preview stuff, Jose Ramirez signing in Cleveland. Um, the dream is dead. No J-Ram to the Blue Jays. It's not happening. Uh, BK, your thoughts on that and your thoughts on the deal? It is a lot easier to swallow that happening with the Matt Chapman trade having occurred. If that had not have happened, if we were going into the season with like, let's say, you know, Kevin Smith, Espinal, BGO is kind of the second base, third base mix. Um, yeah, you would kind of be eyeballing this Jose Ramirez trade this entire, you know, spring training. And then if that went into the season, you'd be thinking it was coming at the deadline at some point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, if he had signed and the Jays did not have a third base solution, it would feel pretty crappy and it still kind of does just cause he felt destined to be a blue Jay. Um, but yeah, it's a little, a little easier to stomach. Yeah, I think I agree. I, the other thing I would say is I wonder if, and maybe at the end it was out of their control, but if the Jays didn't get Chapman and they were sitting here today on April 6th or yesterday on April 5th, and they were like, all right, we don't have a third baseman. The guardians are getting close. I wonder if they would have tried to just like blow their socks off with an offer and just done what it takes to get Ramirez done. But you're right. The Chapman deal, it definitely makes this a lot easier to deal with. Right. Cam wasn't, wasn't the, 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 um, the rumor that Cleveland wanted Gabe Moreno and Alec Manoa. 
that's what I think Buck Martinez was the one that would drop that information. Kind of a kind of a random source, but you'd think Buck would be right. Yeah. So if that was the case, I, I would always question about why that comes out though, right? Yeah, like is exactly. Buck being told that so that he can put out there and Jay Sands be like, oh no wonder they're not getting Ramirez. Those yeah. prices are insane. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a good takeaway sometimes, like, okay, what 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 is the source saying and who benefits from them saying this publicly? And uh yeah, it worked. the Jays aren't gonna get Jose Ramirez, it works in their interest to make it seem like, oh, this was never gonna happen because the ask was ridiculous. Um, but once it came down to you know actual legitimate negotiating, if they were willing to trade him, it wouldn't have taken that, but it was still gonna be a massive haul. And and the Jays unloaded a decent amount of assets with uh, the Chapman deal. And honestly, if Jose Ramirez was gonna sign a 5-124 extension, then him staying in Cleveland always made sense. I'm shocked he signed for as little as he did. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a risk-free commitment by any means, but I mean, that is, that is a good deal to get him on because I think you're getting him for the same age range. He obviously is two years left before free agency, but you're getting him at the Marcus Semyon age as a, you know, probably a better player. I, you can maybe call him comparable, but Jose Ramirez at least a little more consistent and he got the same AAV with two less years. So that's a pretty good deal for Cleveland to make. Yeah, I think I agree. Like he's got a higher floor than Semyon, in my opinion. Yeah. And you use the word consistency, which I think is bang on. Can you imagine being Ross Atkins and you get off the phone with Cleveland and you're like, poof, you like sit there with your group of whoever's in the room with you and you're like, they want Manoa and Moreno. Maybe we should give Oakland a call. And Oakland's like, oh, Gunnar Hogland and Kevin Smith. And you're like, what the fuck? How does that we'll make take, sense? We'll take your random, your random 40 man roster fodder as well. We will give you two open spots. Yeah. I, huh? I have a Kevin Smith take though. I was thinking about this today and I don't know if this actually fits somewhere else in the pod, but I was going to say he is going to sneaky be the one prospect that quote unquote got away. Not where you regret the trade, but I think of all the players that the Jays have dealt the last, you know, 18 months and maybe deal into this next year. I think he's a, like a, a surprisingly high chance of being the one who has the most productive career. I think we, we slept on him a little bit and his major league debut was iffy so, so, but he can play a good short, a good third base. And I think the bat is actually decent. So you know it sounds like you're describing, actually, it sounds huh. like you're describing Jan Gomes. That's like right. When, that, when, when they gave away Jan Gomes for no real reason, all of a sudden with Cleveland, he's good. Yeah. Like, that felt insignificant at the time. And then it's like, Oh, he had a, like a really nice career. And is Kevin Smith, not just the tip. Like, is he not just look like a three and a half win Oakland day? Like there's just something randomly, you know, and even his name, like he's just yeah. Kevin Smith of the Oakland A's all of a sudden is a three and a half <laughs> war per year player. This is a word of that big trade form in four years. Yeah. <laughs> he's about to break out with the MVP in 2031. <laughs> just yeah, anyways, the wheel goes around and around. There's, there's my hot take for the episode. Um, we will get to some bold predictions later on in the show as well. We'll also run through the American League, talk specifically about the AL East a lot, the wild card race that will be... Uh, well, I mean, hopefully the Jays aren't a part of the wild card race. Hopefully they're running away with the American League East and we don't need to say the word wild card too much. Um, but I want to start just by kind of looking at this roster a little bit and, and giving our thoughts on it. Is it like I was going to do like, oh, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Is the strength of this team still their ability to create offense or has enough been done with the rotation that you sit there and go, no, their strength very well might be what they can do with the rotation. I think they're pretty comparable. Like I, if you look at the units, you would, if you think blue Jays, you think offense and mashers and Vladdy, but just as far as like where they could rank within 
you know, let's just say ERA versus run scored and where they rank in the American league. Um, I, I could very easily see them being top three in both of those categories. So yeah, I think they're, they're pretty evenly matched as far as crazy strengths there. I think the, the rotation maybe has a little less star power as much as like there's high paid guys in the Jays rotation. They don't have that like $35 million ace. They've got like 20, they've got what three guys making, you know, a AAB yeah. of like 20. So they, they went hard on like number two starters and they're like, let's just have a bunch of number twos and be confident with that. Um, and I, I kind of like the approach honestly. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't even think it's sneaky anymore. People know this rotation is good, but I, I think they're very easily at, you know, a top three rotation in the American league. Cam, your thoughts. I think I thought you were going to say something. I'm sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying in this episode not to interrupt people as much because I noticed that's something I do in the, in the, in the conversation frequently. Anyways, um, I would say kind of along the same vein, it's, it's depth now. I think if the team suffers an injury, I think we talked about this like a few episodes ago, uh, you were kind of like, Oh, if Vlad gets injured and they're fucked, like there's no way they could get over that. Well, I mean, it's hard to get over yeah. losing your best hitter, but the thing is, is they have like, five, six other guys that are very good that can carry the lineup. And it's the same thing in the rotation too, right? Like knock on wood, you don't want it to happen, but it's baseball. So you never know somebody good gets injured, but at least there's multiple other good starters behind. It's not like in the past where there was, you know, one or two good arms. And then after that, you have TJ Zoic pitching a game or Tanner Rourke going out and making a start. Like it's a completely different animal. Now you can, the Jays are, 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 are deep like much more so than they were like at the beginning of last year. That's for sure. So I think that's where, where the strength lies now. I was going to say, didn't Zoic start the third game of the season third last game, year? Yeah. <laughs> third game. It was the starting five last year at a camp was where you starts the first game. Stripling starts the second game. Then it's TJ Zoic. <laughs> then it's Mads. And then it's Rourke. That's yeah. right. Robbie Ray had the arm injury from yeah. like falling Ray down the stairs with it holding his child. And yeah, just it, it's absurd stairs. how much this has changed in the span of a calendar year. Um, I don't think enough people are talking about that because there's a lot of like, oh, you lost high impact players to free agency. So yeah, you bring in Chapman and Gossman, but they're, you know, not necessarily as good as uh, the seasons you got from Semyon and Ray. And no, they, they probably won't match what we got last year. But also, we're starting the season with a very good roster, whereas last year grew to become a very good roster. So, uh, yeah, the, the days are starting the beginning of the season in very good shape and a pretty injury-free spring training, too, which, like, underrated part of what has happened here. But you're coming out of spring with, like, Pearson's mono, and that's about it. If, <laughs> if mono is your worst injury in spring, that's, uh, you're in pretty good shape. Is Romano going to be 100%? Did we hear that yet? Did I miss that? He's good? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did uh, either like minor league or a sim game or like, yeah, but he was, he was rearing back and going hundred percent. In regards to Pearson, I was going to say like how insanely cursed is this guy? Like, it looks like now he's finally found his kind of niche to like, okay, he's not going to maybe start anymore. He's going to throw like three, four innings here. It's going to be good. It's going to be a nice way to ease him. And then he comes out of camp with the most random way to like not be pitching fucking mono middle of a pandemic and it's like, fuck, he gets mono of all things. I have not heard of someone contracting mono in over two years. <laughs> not heard the word mentioned. Sam, Sam Darnold, that was the last one. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah that's With the graphic. The meme goes <laughs> I saw, I saw somebody put Pearson over that graphic and Darnold's place. It was so, so good. So bad. 
That's brutal. Um, speaking of, so like Romano, you mentioned it, he was going to find a bit of a niche in the bullpen. And we were just laughing about the random assortment of guys who made starts last year. I mean, you don't even want to get into the random assortment of guys who made bullpen appearances last year. Like it's just Lord. generally a shit show. I have the baseball reference page pulled up right now. And like the amount of players who appeared in games for the Blue Jays last year goes as far as 62 um, from about... I want to say 31 on. It's just a bunch of bullpen guys. I'm going to make. I'm going to name as many as we can. (laughs) Yeah, no, we don't need to spend 30 minutes of the podcast trying to do that. But I'm going to go ahead and make my first bold prediction. They're not going to use 30 bullpen arms this year. It really looks like the collection they have there now is a lot, a lot more solid than it was 12 months ago. Yeah, they're pretty deep uh, on top of having more talent on the top end. Yeah, it's a deep pen because they're, I mean, it's 28-man rosters. They're taking, what, 15 pitchers north, I believe? Yeah. And other than Trent Thornton, you don't look at any of them and think like, ugh, like, no. And Thornton's here for mop-up duty, and he doesn't have a place on this roster once it shrinks down to 26-man roster. Um, So uh, Fangraphs came out with their uh, positional rankings. Um, They've been going through, like, each position lately. And uh, the Blue Jays bullpen was projected to be 13th best in baseball. And man, you think about 10 months ago, you would have absolutely killed for the 13th best bullpen in baseball. It's not an elite pen by any means, but it's a good, slightly above average. Like it, it, it feels that way, uh, despite, you know, being snake, snake bitten in the very recent past by the bullpen, but like, they feel like a just solidly average decent pen. And then if you go have a good start to the season, you bring in, you know, one, one more really one or two really good pen arms, like you did last year with Simber and Richards. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not too concerned about it other than just the randomness of bullpen history. But other than that, like the names and the performance and the fact they're coming out of spring healthy, I think there's a lot to be encouraged by with this pen. And Julian Merriweather's healthy. Hello. How long will that last? Are we gonna are we gonna allow ourselves to be teased again this year? Are we gonna are we gonna bite? Are we gonna bite the hook? I He's absolutely gonna... am. If he comes out, if he comes out and strikes out like two guys in his first outing of the year, I'm gonna be on the hype train. I'm gonna say this guy's gonna make the all-star team. He's gonna get Cy Young votes. And his his Yankees series performance last year was one of the most jaw-dropping bases. Like it's very random too, right? Like Julian Merriweather in April, but to watch a hundred mile an hour fastball perfectly placed, followed by an eighty mile an hour changeup perfectly placed. I was almost mesmerized I've ever been watching baseball. And then it was just ripped away from us so quickly. And then we got the Tyler Chatwood experience for two months. Yeah, we're going to he's going to watch Merriweather tease us for like a week longer than he did. We'll get to like the fourth series of the year and it'll be like, holy shit, this guy hasn't given up a run in like six innings pitched. And then he'll do something dumb and like yeah, fall down the stairs. If he is healthy, if he is healthy the whole way, they win the World Series. That's the X factor. <laughs> Julian Merriweather becoming <laughs> fucking Mariano Rivera. And he's just healthy and it happens. And that's that's the catalyst. <laughs> I mean, you that's, never know. That's my bold prediction for the year. <laughs> that, yeah, that is one of your bold predictions because I'm going to force you to give a single drink tonight. That's a sober take. I was going to say, you're sitting here drinking <laughs> a Coke Zero out of a Coca-Cola. wine glass. Not even a Coke Zero. It's a, it's a sugar, a regular sugar Coca-Cola out of a, out of a, out of a pint glass. The tough part about recording this podcast is that all three of us are in different time zones. Um, so Coomzy is being an absolute trooper here at ten, just so after late. 1020 Eastern time. So respect that I'm usually laying in bed by nine 
Hey man, yeah, don't laugh because I usually right am. So yeah, I enjoy a good sleep. What, what, what's the joke here? Oh, I thought <laughs> I thought you were making fun of me because I absolutely I'm straight not. up in bed at nine o'clock. Tyler, I'm almost thirty. Come on, you know that. I'm uh, I'm, I'm well beyond my prime. Fair enough. Um, what else do we kind of have to touch on here in in terms of the team itself? I mean, it seems fairly straightforward. Oh, like the outfield we're seems set. Talk about Greg Bird. Greg Bird. Well, you, I mean, what's the take there? Like he, it seemed like he just wanted to go back to the Yankees, right? It's hard to make sense of. When, Did he play when, us? When you're in Greg Bird's position, you're usually not really thinking about teams you're passionate about playing for. You're looking for the clearest path to the big leagues, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand how that exists in New York because uh, like the backup to Vladdy is pulling what, like, Lourdes from left field. Like the, the Jays do not have a great backup first base situation. So even if he was in AAA, one injury to Vladdy and you're on the roster. Whereas in New York, I mean, they've got Stanton at DH and Rizzo playing first. And then LeMahieu can easily, you know, shift over to first base. He played a ton of that last year. And they've still got infielders to, you know, they can play, play Glaber at second and, um, and uh, Donaldson a third, obviously. So they've got way more depth uh, than the Jays at like these positions. So I don't understand why he did that. Um, at the same time, I mean, we got kind of overhyped on the Greg Bird hype train. And I think that's because he made sense as a roster fit because the Jays lacked other options. But Greg Bird isn't really all that exciting to think about. We've also had so many random breakout players, right? It almost feels like an expectation, like every year or two, some like kind of a roster fodder player just shows up to Toronto and becomes very good. It was just like year after year that seemed to be happening. Jose Bautista, when Encarnacion, and then you have like your random Chris Colabello's, Justin Smokes. It just seemed like we were due for one. Like Greg Bird shows up and he puts up like a 900 OPS. It just seemed like a thing that was going to happen. And it's kind of a shame. We, it's kind of a shame that it's not. I, I had kind of bought into it. It makes me, I'm very curious what the Jays see in Zach Collins because once we kind of got 24 hours out of side of that trade and you realize Zach Collins isn't really a catcher, like that's the position he has beside his name, but he's like legitimately the worst. Like Alejandro Kirk is winning gold gloves over Zach Collins. Uh, so, and, and he's a guy whose track record is he's a good hitter in the minor leagues. He hit the crap out of the ball and he's a left-handed bat but that's all he is for the Jays, right? Like he's got to be like the DH occasionally and emergency catcher when Kirk DHs and Jansen starts. So clearly the Jays like Collins better than bird. And there's something there in the, you know, in the exit velocity profile, batted ball profile that they like, and they hope can be a breakout. So there you go. There's, there's your Greg bird breakout. It's actually Zach Collins. Maybe he can play first (laughs) base. He matches 20 dingers inexplicably. There it is. I'm, I'm on board with that. I can fuck with that. Uh, should we move our way into our divisional previews? Yes, I think so. Yeah, okay, that's enough. Um, yeah, Blue Jays scuttle, but I think yeah, um, everything right. The divisional previews are brought to you by our friends at PointsBet, and guess what? They are live in Ontario. You can download the app right now. We'll even throw a link in the article for this podcast. Um, I'm just seeing here that the Twins are. Oh, that was a couple hours ago. Never mind. The twins are acquiring Chris Paddock. I don't know how I missed that a few hours ago. Anyways, right in the middle of my uh, points bet ad read. Um, in the article of this podcast, there will be a link where you can go sign up with points bet and you can get a little bonus as well. They got the, some free bet stuff going on. Um, you know, bet along with the Blue Jays this year. Why not have a good time with our friends at points bet Canada? Do we want to start with the AL East or do we want to leave the AL East for last? 
Let's save it for the end. That's a good idea. Wrap wrap up with the uh, the home division. Okay, get, then, the, get the boring stuff out of the way first. Then we are starting with the American League Central. Um, fairly interesting collection here. I think it'd be fair to say that this is probably Chicago's division to lose, but I really like the offseason that the Minnesota Twins had. Um, there's a lot of people who are split on a team like the Detroit Tigers, who were incredibly busy. Look at who they added this year. Javi Baez, Tucker Barnard, Andrew Chaffin, Austin Meadows, um, Eduardo Rodriguez. They They brought in a lot of bodies and a lot of I'll call them famous names, even though you could argue with how effective they are. Um, the consensus, though, kind of seems to be Chicago one, Minnesota two, and then the rest. Do you have any argument with that, BK? Is there someone in this division who stands out to you? Yeah, I think Chicago is a pretty easy, has a pretty easy path to winning that division. Um, and I'm, I'm maybe not as locked in on Minnesota being the second place team. I could very well see that happening. It wouldn't be surprising by any means, but I think Detroit... Um, yeah, Detroit has a chance to be like an average team and I could see them being very comparable uh, to Minnesota, but it, it's just not, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a strong division, but at the very least it's better than it was like last year and the year before, right? Because you, the, the Tigers are no longer tanking. Yeah. The Royals are no longer tanking. Um, not to say that the Royals are good, but like they have, you know, a superstar prospect coming up and, and, you know, they send Granky and they're at least like moderately trying to win. Um, and then Cleveland, is Cleveland. Like I, I, I think that's what's perplexing about the Jose Ramirez signing, which we talked about earlier. It is a good signing for them to make, but like, why didn't they do anything else this off season? Um, if they, if this was an option for them to keep Jose Ramirez, because you know, they've got a core of a few superstar players and you know, if Bieber is healthy for the whole year, then they've got a chance to be like, okay, but they didn't add any other offense. So um, yeah, it's an interesting division, but it's just nice to see it get a little bit, better because it sucked being in this division where like four of the five teams are amazing. And you look at another division in Chicago got to play what 80 games against just garbage teams last yeah. year. Yeah. I feel, it feels like it's kind of the same as last year, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at the standings last year in Chicago ran away with it. 93 and 69. The rest of the teams were just absolutely horrible. Cleveland was the second best one at 80 and 82. Minnesota was weirdly bad. It just seems to me when you look at all these teams, none of them are intimidating at all. Like, I don't even think the White Sox are that intimidating. They seem to me, you know, they're this team that kept winning games and they just never seem that good. I don't know if that's they're just They're pretty maybe. deep. Like, their they're top they're five fine, hitters right? are, are good. But I don't feel like, I mean, I feel like if the Jays were in the, in the American League Central, they would be better than the White Sox, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty easily. Sure. I mean, they, so they, what, they won two less games in the White Sox last year, having the waiver yeah. schedule and playing two thirds of the year in the U.S. Yeah, right? I feel like so. there, there, there must have been a stat last year. And I mean, I, I cannot remember where I heard this or if it's accurate, if I just made it up. But it feels like the White Sox, if any division winner, were really bad against teams above 500. I feel like I remember that being a thing. Might be. But yeah, they're, I, mean, yeah the AL I would buy that for the sure. AL central to me seems like complete dog shit and all five of the teams don't seem like at all difficult to beat. I feel like so, the American, the, the teams in the West are more intimidating to me. So I'm going to Tyler to uh, go back to Tyler's initial point. If you're looking at the projected standings on fan graphs, they're closer than I thought they've got white Sox at 86 wins and the twins at 82 so that's a closer spread than I would have thought. Um, and they're pretty clear, like tiers, uh, in the division, like Tyler said, so white Sox number one twins, you know, four games back number two, and then they've got the guardians, tigers and Royals all between 75 and 77 wins. 
So, so uh, yeah, I, that, I don't think the twins are that much better than those other teams, but I mean, you know, there's a projection system that, that sees it that exact way. So, yeah. Um, if you had to, out of those three teams who are in the lower tier of this division, is it, is it the Tigers who have the best kind of breakout potential or would you maybe lean towards a team like the Royals? Just, you know, the presence of a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. Like, I mean, I'll, I'm excited because I always, I always buy into the hype of these young guys. Um, but who would be BK like your, I ah, keep an eye on them kind of thing. I think the Tigers, because they have a chance to have a sneaky good rotation. Um, they added heavy buys, like you said, Torkelson starting the year with the club, Riley Green's another superstar prospect. And he would have started the year with the club if he didn't, uh, he like broke his foot or something. He had some serious injury in spring. So he'll be in the big leagues in about two months. Um, but you can, when you look at the Tigers, you can see a path to like Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal, Eduardo Rodriguez forming the backbone of like a legitimately decent rotation. Um, they added Austin Meadows the other day. Like that's, that's a decent team. Um, so if the young pitching, which like it's hyped pitching too, like it's, it's very talented young pitching, just unproven. But if they uh, take a step forward this year, all of a sudden Detroit is like pretty easily above 500 team. I think. Remember when the Jays lost that game in Detroit because Josh Palacios dove for a ball and missed oh. it, and there was that inside the park home run. Didn't they lose like two one or one nothing that game too? That was a miserable evening. Okay, Wait, hold on. Like the last how, how how late into the season was that? That was August, I think. Uh, in my August brain, or early September. That feels like in but, my brain. It okay, could have been in August or April. <laughs> so I can't. I, I, I hadn't even like thought about that one in a long time. But the Marcus Simeon short hop was also against Detroit. Yeah, it was. Had two of those like crippling moments against Detroit. Which oh, that's like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you played the team six times a year, and you've got like just two horrendous memories of tight games being thrown away for something really stupid. Palacio's not a natural center fielder, but like he's a natural outfielder. Like it's he knows how to play the outfield. I don't know how that happened, but that was, yeah, that was something else. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So this was on, oh man, I just had the date here. I'm looking at the game log right now. The Jays lost two one. They got their one run off of Vlad Guerrero double, which scored Bo Bichette. And then, uh, yeah, there was the inside the park home run by Victor Reyes in the bottom of the eighth, which sealed it up for uh, the Tigers. That was yeah. depressing. The, the, the last year's Blue Jays left a lot of wins on the table. Yeah. You go back and you, there's so many, like, obviously like it's a, it's kind of a confirmation bias thing. You think that your team just exclusively does this, but I, I'm very certain that the Blue Jays pissed away more winnable games last than anybody else. Well, there, there it was, I it think is, record was, was 99 and 63. Like they fell eight wins shy of just what their run differential would have indicated. So yes, between bullpen and just stupid stuff like Plasios and Semien, it's just, yeah, it was a, it was a cursed year that somehow still ended up in 91 wins in the, Brad like one of the best divisions ever. <laughs> Brad uh, coming in and walking the cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sucked. Good man. All right. This is, this is supposed to be hyping us up for the season, not, yeah. not making us feel <laughs> negative about last year. What am I doing? Uh, so that, that was our Terrible look at the energy. AL central uh, Chicago over at points bet. They are the favorites at minus 200, which means if you were to wager a hundred dollars on them to win the division, you would only be profiting 50 bucks. The tigers are next at plus 500. The, or sorry, the twins are next at plus 500. Then you got the tigers at plus 700, the guardians at plus 950, and the Royals all the way down at plus 1400. You mentioned the fan graphs thing. That to me makes it interesting on the twins at plus 500, like five to one odds on them to maybe close that gap of like projected four wins between them and the White Sox. I don't mind that. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that the Twins and Tigers numbers there are both uh, attractive ones to go after. I don't like playing the heavy favorites because it just doesn't feel as much like a win when you're like only having halving your money, right? So um, yeah, I, I think those are the two plays I, I like out of that division. Yeah, I could easily see the White Sox getting upset, no problem. Like I just ranted about them five minutes ago. I really don't have a good feeling about them at all. A Larusa crash and burn is absolutely yeah, there. You go. To think about <laughs> crash and, and burn. Like, well said. Well said. Yes, please. Pun, pun, pun intended. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the AL West where there's a few interesting teams here. You got the Houston Astros. Obviously they're always in the mix, but I mean, they lost a guy like Carlos Correa. They lost Marwin Gonzalez, Kendall Graveman, Zach Greinke. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys the Astros won't have. The Oakland A's are an absolute dumpster fire. I think Seattle is really interesting. Texas, obviously they spent a billion dollars on their middle infield. Um, and then you got a team like the uh, LA angels who it'll be very interesting to see what they can end up doing around their two superstars. Um, just quickly here, the points bet odds on this one, the Astros are actually still favored to win this thing at minus one eighty two. So similar odds to the white Sox to win the central. And then you have the angels at plus three fifty, the Mariners at plus four fifty, the Rangers at plus 1800 and the A's at plus three thousand as their odds um i i actually when i look at this division i for whatever reason think it'll be closer between houston la and seattle than than maybe it could be in the central like i don't know i just feel like i like what tech or even texas i'll throw texas up there a little bit but i think the angels and mariners could actually be good this year am i wrong for thinking that the Mariners are a very interesting team because last year they completely faked their way to 90 wins. Like they were not a 90 win team. Um, they had like a negative 43 render differential on the season and yet finished like 18 games above 500. So, um, it's weird to think of them as a contender because of the fake record last year, but I actually think they have the talent now that could see a 91 season again, um, and have it be a little bit more real. So obviously the Robbie Ray ad is huge. Um, Logan Gilbert is like a, a sneaky, had like a sneaky good rookie season last year. His ERA was like mid fours, I believe, but the peripherals were a lot better and he was a hype prospect. Matt Brash, Canadian, uh, from Ontario. Uh, he won the fifth starter job there and his stuff's electric. Like you, you watch his spring training starts and He's one of those guys where you're like, oh man, he's so high effort. He might be a bullpen guy, but like just pure stuff and performance. He is like a, a chance to be a very high end starter. Um, Marco Gonzalez is a solid, you know, number three, number four starter. And their bullpen was elite last year. Right. And then they've got, you know, like you said, Tyler, you like these superstar prospects and buy into them. Julio Rodriguez is a superstar prospect, but also like the most likable prospect. That video was so cool the other day. Yeah. He, he's like the perfect mix between like, like that, you know, that athlete ego, like I'm really good, but also like he somehow balances like humility and ego extremely well for like a 19 year old. He's got his own YouTube channel and he's like from Dominican Republic, but he like, he was like dead set on learning English. And he's got a YouTube channel where he's 100% English on it. Like he just like, just driven to be this superstar personality, but also in a super likable way with performance to back it up. So I, I like the Mariners a lot this year. Um, the angels, I probably should like more. I just have a hard time ever believing in the angels and like, I'm not basing that on anything other than they're the angels. Um, and then the Rangers are just like the, 
the Rangers had zero good players last year. So they signed three good players, but that means their total number of good players is now three. So I just, I can't buy into them yet. Uh, they've got a decent farm system too, but to me, this is Mariners angels are the, the interesting teams um, with the Mariners being the one I can actually believe in making at least a, a decent run at Houston's title. This again, this again, looking at this division seems like all it does is serve as a way to remind us how good the American League East actually is. <laughs> because we're looking at this being like, ah, who's going to come and just cherry pick their way to a nice little easy division win? Will it be the Houston Astros who just lost their best guy? Or maybe perhaps it'll be the Angels who have the two best players and are the Edmonton Oilers of the fucking major leagues <laughs> and have nobody else around them. Or is it going to be, you know, Lord Lake? It's, it's yeah, it's just the Seattle Mariners are definitely the team to watch. It's the team that's exciting. It's the team that it would be interesting if they came through and won. I mean, I think we're all sick of seeing Houston just kind of run it back in the West. So it'd be nice to get some new blood in this division. That's for sure. Though I wish, <laughs> again, I wish the Blue Jays were playing in this division. Neither of you guys really buying hard on the busy off season from the Texas Rangers. Absolutely not. They, I can't, not I can't all. name like a single pitcher in that rotation. John Gray. <laughs> Cause I'm looking oh, he's at like, Martin yeah, Perez is in their rotation. He's back. They're hiding. Like, like Derek the Collins probably is still there. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> not a good team yet. Yeah. It, that's what made the Semyon signing so strange is that usually you don't bet on big free agents in their thirties when you're not good for two years. <laughs> uh, Cause like when they actually might be good, they're paying 25 million to Marcus Semyon when he might be on his decline. Um, but I mean, good for them for spending and that's fun for their fan base, but they're, they're not remotely a threat yet in my eyes. I think, I think we're both in the Seattle bandwagon here. Yeah, be all fun. The Mariners being fun. good too is fun. It's fun because you get the, the Jays out, out West in the July series. And it's like, if the Mariners are actually good, then it's entertaining, even more entertaining than usual for that series. Mariners at plus 450 to win the division is where we are all throwing our money, courtesy of Points Bet Canada. It's um, locked in. So then let's wrap this thing up with the American League East, where Points Bet does indeed have the Toronto Blue Jays favored. But unlike in the other two divisions, the Jays are barely favored. Plus 175 is Toronto, plus 195 for the New York Yankees, plus 320 for Tampa, plus 550 for the Red Sox. And then you got the Orioles just hanging out down there at 150 to one to win the American <laughs> League East, which is hilarious. Um you guys mentioned like the fan graphs thing. It they're projecting this division to be tied one through four. That's nuts. This thing is going to be an absolute dogfight. So I'll ask you this: Jays aside, Rays, Yankees, Red Sox. Which one of those are you the most worried about? Which one of them are you the least worried about? Most worried about the Rays yep. because of past trauma. Uh, Least worried about the Red Sox, I think, with Chris Sale also being hurt for a little while here. Um, they still have Xander at shortstop and Devers at third, which is, you know, I mean, they hit really well, but that's a terrible defensive left side of the infield. Um, I feel like they just have the most holes of the teams. And uh, projection systems are usually low on Tampa Bay, and it's because it's hard to really account for, well, one, like, whatever magic potion they use, but also their depth is just insane. And they will call up guys and replace players with 
you know, 95% performance of the, the impact player they lost. And you just wonder how, so the Rays will always torment me. I, I, the, the Yankees are probably better than people think. I think there's a bit of Yankee fatigue and they had a bit of a weird season last year, but their weird season still ended up with 92 wins. Right. So despite what was kind of an odd year for the Yankees, they're still decent. They're, you know, they've been solid at developing pitching and, and they've got a good pen still and some lineup balance with, uh, with Rizzo and Gallo. And you figure Gallo might be more comfortable in his second year in New York now. So um, Rays and Yankees both are kind of worrying me quite a bit more than the Red Sox. Uh, do you agree with that, Kunzi? Yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to be soft on the Rays right now because they had kind of a, one of those Razy off seasons where they just get rid of the guys. Austin Meadows is gone. Um, they won't have glass. You know, Glasgow. Uh, yeah. He's, a, he's, he's injured for like the whole season. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're, but they also struggled with so many injuries last year, right? It, feel, it felt like their entire bullpen was on the shelf at the same time last year. And they were still fine. Yeah. Like you said, they just have that impossible depth and it's just names you've never heard of are just coming up. It's like some guy that throws a 109 mile an hour slider and you're like, what the fuck? And that guy is just going to come up and not allow a run for two weeks. And that's just what the Rays do. So like you said, the projection models are never really accurate with them. I worry about the Yankees too, actually. I mean, their off season was just like hilarious. It was, it was like, it, it was the least Yankees off season you'd have ever seen. Yeah. It felt like they were the, like the early 2010s blue Jays, like <laughs> going and getting themselves in the mix for guys and coming up with nothing. Like, their whole, their whole big off season thing was, Oh, we need a shortstop. And it's like, Oh, perfect. Like this is the year of the shortstop. And then they basically take money off of Minnesota's hands so that they can sign Carlos Correa. And they wind up with Josh Donaldson, who's 37 and has a hard time staying on the field. And that's like the whole Yankee problem is the guys are all injury prone. But meanwhile, like BK said, they develop pitching like crazy. And then just another one of those teams with an absurd bullpen. So that's going to probably drag them through the year. I never really understood why the Red Sox were good last year at all. It really seemed like Alex Cora yep. just came back and they started to know what pitch was coming and that's just why they were good. <laughs> so I would imagine that's going to be the case again this year. Uh, and they lost so, their juice too. Like they, they, they were, they were so far ahead the first, what, like yeah. four months of the season, maybe three and a half months they were of the unbeatable. season. They were by far in first place in the division. And then they like, they just crashed completely. But they popped in the playoffs too. Eh? Like they, they went, yeah. to, they went to the CS. They, they took down the Rays in the division series, which to me felt shocking. But yeah, they, like they had a very weird year, but it's hard to look at their team and really buy into them compared to their competition. Right. So if they were in another division, you might think more highly of the Red Sox but I, I just to me they're a pretty clear fourth and it could be wrong about that and there's projection systems that see them way more comparably to the rest of the teams than than i do but uh, yeah i just i can't fully buy in on the red sox i feel like when it comes to the red sox they're either going to win the world series or finish fifth there's like no in there. like behind both <laughs> that a number of times the last like decade and a half like 50 wins or 112 wins no one no yeah. no in between on paper, do you believe the Blue Jays are the best team in this division? As my voice cracks while I say that. Yes. <laughs> 11. <laughs> yes, yes. Blue Jays are the best team in the division. It is stunning to see the predictions uh, for the season out there, like all these big name, you know, US MLB writers. And it, it, it's almost stunning to not see a Blue Jays Dodgers World Series predicted by people. Like I'm seeing that more than I'm seeing any, any, like just every other option combined. I'm seeing more no, Blue Jays and anyone else out of the American league. Like who else are people predicting? It's either Toronto, Atlanta or Toronto, LA. 
yeah. every single prediction I've seen. So, so then yeah, doesn't it feel, doesn't the line of plus 175 for the Jays to win this division feel a little short? Because I'm also looking at them on paper. They are comparable, I would say, better than the other teams in this division. And I don't even think that's taking into account that at least for the Red Sox and Yankees, when they come up to Toronto, they're leaving key players at home. Like, I feel like that's getting overlooked and that's going to be, at least in my opinion, a big factor. I get it's small sample size and you can win random games when you're missing your best players, but like consistently for the regular season, at least I guess for the first few months when things likely won't be changed, it's going to be guys like judge and sale and Bogarts. And I think Martinez as well, like those guys are sitting at home. That is an advantage for Toronto, like a big advantage for Toronto and it'll make a difference in the standing. So I'm surprised the Jays almost aren't favored more because of that. Yeah, there yeah, is a lack of clarity on. Yeah, sorry, good. There's some lack of clarity on necessarily who the names are, and and you know yeah. some you know hiding behind whether it is and or who it is, and and you know if the status has changed between last season and this season. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Like that's a fascinating storyline to follow. Um, and as you know, case counts in Canada like climb again. Um, there was a time there where I just didn't think this rule would exist far into the season. And I don't necessarily think that way now. I don't think that if it exists now, I don't see why it wouldn't exist two months from now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how that impacts, you know, the division and then just randomly other teams, you know, Cincinnati rolling into town and just some random player isn't playing. Um, and yeah, that is absolutely an advantage for the Jays because the Jays roster is vaccinated, not because the rule exists. Mm -hmm. Um, but the Jays just don't deal with it because they don't have anybody on their 28 men roster that won't be able to play in Canada. So, um, yeah, like you said, Tyler, it's a, it's a sneaky advantage and you know, how much of advantage it will be, we'll have to see. Um, but it's, it's a very interesting storyline to follow this year. It's also at the very least, it, it, if it only lasts for like a month and this gets changed in May or in June or whatever, at the very least it's coming at a good time for the Jays because their schedule off the hop is so ridiculously hard. It's, it's just like a gauntlet right away. It's like, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to like at the very beginnings, um, Texas, then the Yankees, then the athletics are so two pretty bad teams, but then it's the Red Sox, the Astros, the Red Sox again, the Astros again, and the Yankees. And that's just like such a meat grinder. Like there's so many key games against New York and Boston where it's like, man, you really can't have a slow start here. Otherwise you're, you're, you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball for the season. Uh, you guys mentioned, you know, the amount of predictions that are Toronto, Atlanta, Toronto, LA, the world series odds over on points, bet. the Dodgers are favorites to win the world series this year at plus 500. Toronto is second on that list at plus 800 rounding out. The top five is the Braves to repeat at plus 900, the Astros at 10 to one. And then the Yankees are at 11 to one. Um, let me just throw this your guys way really quickly. Who would you pick to come? Who are you picking? I should say to come out of the NL. Who's your Who's your NL pick this year, BK? Uh, Dodgers. I'm pretty comfortable with the Dodgers. Um, the 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 Braves are going to still, I think, have a battle with the Mets. Like, I don't think they're they're a, you know a foregone conclusion winner of that division, though. Um, they're probably the favorite. Uh, or they're a reasonable favorite, but uh, yeah, the Dodgers are just on top of their roster being good. They're a developmental machine. Like the Rays are, um, I don't know if you saw like the numbers, Bobby Miller was just randomly, well, not randomly. He's a good prospect, but like, you know, throwing all of his fastballs over a hundred miles an hour the other day is just like a stud um, arm they have coming this year. Uh, they are a 
you know, a loaded roster that it's easy to, I guess, overlook just because they're always good. It's always kind of like that, but uh, yeah, Dodgers Braves seem like the top tier of the, uh, of the national league. And then the Mets and Brewers are probably one rung lower, um, but also very, like very good teams and teams that, you know, with healthy pitching in the playoffs can make a lot of noise. So uh, it's a fascinating league. Uh, I'm really interested to see how it plays out and the, the, the health of the Mets pitching staff will be very, very interesting to follow as like Scherzer and DeGrom are making like 75 million this year and dealing with the things they're dealing with now. So it feels as though we, we might quite honestly see a season in which the Mets don't have either DeGrom or Scherzer pitch for them. That would just be a very Mets thing to happen. I think from the national league for me, I don't think, I don't think this will happen, but it's kind of what I would like to see. And this isn't a team that I usually root for, but I think it'd be funny if the Jays were in the world series and they faced the Phillies because the Phillies said this year seem to have this, this weird chaotic energy to them where they've added a bunch of guys who can hit, but no one can field. Like you're going to have, you know, like Kyle Schwarber on the outfield, just like kicking balls around and then like Castellanos is in the team too. And then you have like the meme and it's just very fitting. And then you also have the Phillies bullpen too, like pretty good starting pitching, mess of a bullpen. It just seems like a hilarious team to be like, kind of like last year's Jays, where they were just like winning games by a lot and then blowing games and like just pure chaos energy. That's, that's who I think I'd like to see. But I also unfortunately think we might be due for a random St. Louis Cardinals World Series. That just happens. I could see them winning in Albert Pujols' final year. They're back. Just some bullshit Derek Jeter style storyline, but <laughs> that's just that's just kind of what I expect. But I think the Dodgers are definitely the easy bet because they're still so good, and they signed Freddie Freeman too, and just double down on already ridiculously good lineup. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this back over to some Toronto Blue Jays talk, but first, gonna give some love to our friends at Twig and Berries. Look your best this ball season with Twig and Berries. Twigandberries.ca promo code Nation fifteen gets you fifteen percent off. We sent out a tweet earlier tonight letting you know that we were recording this podcast and we wanted your wildest predictions for the 2022 season. So here's how we're gonna do this. All right, I'm going to read the prediction. You guys are gonna grade it on a scale of one to ten. One being absolute pipe dream not happening 10 being you believe it will 100 percent happen so we are going to start with one from joshua who says lordis guriel jr leads the team in batting average and posts a 900 ops one to ten coomsey i can see that happening but the problem is that probably meant that they played 70 games it just seems like it's hard. I can visualize Lourdes Gurriel being the best hitter on the team. Undoubtedly, we've all seen him go on his crazy nuclear streaks, but I can't imagine him doing that over the course of a full year. Like last year, he played 141 games, pretty much healthy the whole year, right? But then he had his, he had his ups and downs. Yeah. Whereas when he's in 2019, he played 84 games. He was, you know, nuclear that year, 869 OPS. I could... So I think if Lourdes is healthy, I don't, I don't think that happens. I think that's more of a, a half-season Lourdes number. BK one to 10. Yeah. I'm going to drop a six on that, which kind of feels like fence sitting, but I'm leaning to it's at least possible. And like Coomzy said, we've seen the crazy hot stretches. We've also seen like lengthy, crazy hot stretches from Lourdes. Like we've seen him tear it up for two straight months. And then we've also seen him be like worst hitter on the planet for two months. But if you can sustain elite production for two months, opposed to like a two week hot stretch, 
then there's at least reason to believe there's something there. Uh, he looks really good this spring um, for, you know, the, probably doesn't mean anything, but like, I've noticed that you're watching, he looks dialed in from the start and slow starts has been like an Achilles heel of his. So yeah, I think it's, it's not all that unreasonable. It's not a super high batting average team. Like Springer's not a high batting average guy. Teoscar's not a high, like super high. They're, they're good hitters, yeah. but like, you know, I, and yeah, there's competition there, like Vladdy and, and Bo and even Alejandro Kirk, like could potentially be a, a high BA guy. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of competition there, but you know, I, I, the 900 OPS, I, I could see it. I can see a path to that happening. Uh, Brennan Delaney's predicts that he will get on the podcast at some point this season. And also that Alec Manoa throws a no hitter. I will say one of those more likely than the other. I've never talked to Brennan, um, but I know he writes for us. So I would say it's likely he's probably going to be on this podcast at some point. Uh, James, you don't G- believe in Alec Manoa, really? Well, I mean, like a no hitter is pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the big man. Eh? Uh, James G, this one is going to take some breaking down. He says the Blue Jays top six batting order combines for 200 home runs. Okay, I'll, I'll do the math on that quick while uh, Brendan does a, gives an answer first. Well, what would their top six have gotten last year? Because you would have had... That's what I'm doing the math on oh, quick. Well, Vladdy at 48, I, I got the calculator out. Semyon at 45, 32 for Hernandez, 29 for Bichette, 22 for Gritch. And 100 and, it's 198. So they were like right there last year. I'm, I'm going to say that's that's a nine. I'm going to say I... I don't, I, I don't think... It, I mean, really? I think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen because if you're taking away Semyon's 45 and replacing whatever Chapman does. I don't think Chapman does 45. And then I don't see Bo and Teoscar going 32 and 29. Vladdy's not going over 40, I don't think. He, he was, just, like, top, sorry, was, was the question top six in the batting order or just their top six home run hitters? We can just say top six home run hitters. Chapman's been hitting seven, two. I, I think Chapman's like a 35 guy in the Rogers Center. Yeah. Um, so does Bo take a bit of a step forward in power? Like I, I, I yeah, 40 dangers though. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say that's a three, uh, but that's not as outlandish as it sounds like just hearing that number sounded crazy, right? Like I just felt like a lot of home runs from just six guys. Then you break it down and it's like, that's doable. That's, that's very doable. But, uh, yeah, like, what, you need, I think George Springer bouncing back with a full season. So he had 22 yeah. last year. So pop him to 40 and then you have Chapman doing 35, which is only 10 less than Semyon. And then you need probably more from Gurriel. He only had 21 and then you need more from Danny Jansen too. He only had 11. But I'm or, thinking in terms know, of the top six, like Gurriel yeah, can wouldn't. slide in and replace that grid Chuck 22 in the top six. You're going to lose a little going from Semyon to Chapman. And then a healthy Springer goes from 22 to let's say, 32 plus. So I, I think wow. you could get to 200. I think Screw it's, it. Yes, it's, it's happening. No, but you know, yeah, for 10. James G, I'm 10. 10. I'm all in. I'm, I'm 10 as well. Fuck yes, it. it's happening. changed my mind very fast. I'm all in. I'm happy with this. This is great. It's I fun. It's more fun that. to be on the side of that one. Yeah, why not? Why, why, what, what am I saying here? The Jays are going to hit 300 home runs between all this year. Fuck they it. all get 50. Um, Jordan Davis says Ezekiel Carrera comes out of retirement to play for the Blue Jays. Um, here's another one we can rate. I, I don't think the rating will be high on it, but uh, Timo says Manoa wins the Cy Young with 20 plus wins. Pin it, baby. Probably a one, one and a half. I, I, I wish. I mean, I, I, I'm a big Manoa fan, so I'll give that a two. 
Uh, I will use this as a chance to plug our friends at points bet Canada and the American league Cy Young race, which they have Uh, in terms of Jay's pitchers. It is worth noting former blue Jay Robbie Ray is third on the list at eight to one. Garrett Cole is the odds on favorite to win the AL Cy Young. Kevin Gosman is the highest Jay at 18 to one. Barrios comes in at 20 to one and actually so does Alec Manoa at 20 to one. So, you know, 20 to one's not the most insane odds. Put 10, put 10 bucks on that. It's not bad. I will. Um, you believe in him. Sask Blue Jays also says Manoa gets some Cy Young consideration. Uh, I like this one from at Sean Jays. Julian Merriweather makes 50 appearances and is an all-star. Hello. I, I, uh, let's see. So last year, the Jays had in regards to pitchers, two different guys, uh, two different relievers make over 50 appearances. Can you name who they are? Two relievers make over 50 appearances. The Jays last year. Romano. Yeah, one yep. would be Romano. Mesa. Yep, that's the two. Okay. You're right. Okay. Good job. And then the next highest is Simber, who they acquired like two and a half months in the year at 39. Dolis at 39. Rafael Dolis found his way into 39 games last year. And Trent Thorne at 37. So uh, just given how unlikely it is for any guy to hit 50, I don't think I can see Merriweather doing that. I'd be happy if he gets into like 20. So I'm going to say there's probably like two non-closers who make the all-star game as reliever per year. So you're Steve basically Delibar, saying Aaron Loop. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, okay. So there's a track record from the North sending these random relievers there. Um, I just, yeah, I, that feel, I'm going to put a two on that. Um, one, the health thing feels, you know, spotty. We can hope for it. Uh, two, we haven't really talked about it, but Merriweather wasn't as good once he came back post sticky stuff. So like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a takeaway from like maybe sticky stuff played a part in how dominant he was before. So I, there's a lot of questions with Merriweather health. Uh, yeah. Sticky stuff. Like I said, and then just like, what are the odds that a non-closer makes the all-star team anyways? So uh, yeah, we'll throw a two on that. Uh, Dave says Springer plays all 162. I'll throw a one on that. They're going to rest the dude at some point. Come on. Uh, Zach says the Jays sweep the season series against the Yankees. That also just is more or less impossible to happen. Um, here's one from Jamie. Kirk hits over 300 and slugs his way into our hearts. He already has slugged his way into our hearts. I think uh, Alejandro Kirk's already a very liked player. And I'll. Can he hit above 300? I think it's the same situation with Guriel to me. It's how many games does he play? If Kirk's playing, you know, almost every day takes over and he's the main catcher, say maybe somebody gets injured and he's catching a whole bunch and he plays 110, 120 games. I don't know if he can keep that up for a full season, but if he's used a bit more sparingly, a little more situationally, then yeah, I don't see why not. Like he's a very good contact hitter, but I I think it depends on what situation. He might be one of the like better, just pure hitters on the team. If yeah, like in the, in the top two or three, the, the hard thing with Alejandro Kirk is he has to earn every hit. He does not get the benefit of the occasional infield chopper that he beats out for a single. <laughs> He's got to put that ball into the outfield. That's his only hope of getting a hit. So in modern day baseball, hitting 300 when you're earning every one of those hits is extremely unlikely. Um, but I really, like, I really believe in the bat and I, that, you know, ability to just hit line drive singles. I'll put it again, a, a three, a, you know, maybe, maybe a chance it happens, but yeah, that, that's a little far-fetched just because of the, uh, profile of, uh, his 
profile. <laughs> <laughs> profile is profile. Del Griffith just- says Romano gets 28 saves. Last season, Romano had 23 in 62 games. I'll go ahead and say this is probably fairly realistic, right? Five more saves for Romano. It's not insane, sure, no, is it? Seems- Seems like at least like a seven or an eight. That's just basically assuming that he stays in the role for the whole season, doesn't get hurt. This one from they just, they're, they're just gonna have a lot of saves, right? They're a good team. This one from Alex may be worth a debate. He says Vladdy puts up lower numbers than last season, but wins MVP this year. I can see that. Vladdy's numbers last year were insanely good. I mean, he puts up an OPS over a thousand, 48 dingers, a lot of dingers. Like his, he, he, he played 161 games too. He never got hurt. He was, yeah. you know, that's, you can't always expect that every year. So if the Jays made the playoffs last year, then there might've been a bit more of a debate. I still think Otani was the clear MVP winner, but you never know what the voters like. They really don't like giving the MVP to a non-playoff team. That was always the talk with Mike Trout. Whenever he didn't win it. Yeah. Um, it was because he wasn't in the playoffs. So if the Jays go and win 107 games this year and Vladdy puts up a 9-10 OPS, then he probably wins the MVP. Yeah, I'm going to say that we, we probably don't talk enough about like Vlad. You look at Vladdy and people are like, oh, he's so young, like he can only get better. And like, you know, the performance in your age isn't necessarily the straight line of like, oh, because he's so young that he's guaranteed to be better this year. He was so good that he has set a bar that might be hard for him to ever pass in his career. I think Bryce Harper was it his age 22 season. He put up like 10 wins above replacement. And then he like, what didn't get 22 was his MVP, his okay. first MVP year. And then the next five years, did he even get to six wins? Yeah. The, uh, so he had his MVP year at 22, that was 2015. And then he dips down and then he has another good year in 2017, but not until last year with his second MVP yeah. year. That's it's still a second best season. His best season by a wide margin was at 22. Yeah. So it's a high standard he set last year. So um, yeah, like I, you, we can see Vladdy and not at all be disappointed in him and still have him be like 5% worse than last year. Um, I would, I would probably sign up for that right now. Like give me 95% of 2021 Vladdy. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, because yeah, there, there's just no guarantee that he's going to be better just because of his age. So, um, yeah. And then, but doing so and winning MVP, I'm going to say, no, it feels weird to think of like a worse, just statistical performance and have it beat, you know, if Otani's healthy, I think he wins. I, I think that's, that's just, he's too much of a unicorn not to, if Mike Trout is healthy, then that competition is way steeper once again. So I'm going to put a two on this just because I don't see the MVP thing happening. If he's statistically worse. Uh, Taco says Espinal is going to be worth at least two war, possibly three. I think baseball reference I'm looking at here. I think they had him at two and a half last year. So that feels he was 2.5 last year. Yeah. So he, he should do that again. You'd, you'd think that's not exactly stunning. Our boy, Zach Lang says Bo Bichette is going to lead the league in hits. Uh, he led the American league in hits last year. So that also feels entirely realistic this year. Um, just rattling through these here. Another one on Bo. This one from Kyle. Um, wow. This is a very in-depth take. He starts by going, Bo is going to go 30 for 30 and start in the all-star game. And then combined with the defensive boost, thanks in part to Chapman, he gets MVP votes, but ultimately falls short because he splits the Toronto vote with Vlad, who hits 50 home runs. 
The Jays oh, are in wow. phenomenal shape if the season plays exactly wow. like that. That sounds awesome. Fuck yeah. Sign me up for that. That's cool. Uh, um, likelihood? Uh, <laughs> I want to be optimistic, but geez, that seems like a lot of things going for I throw a two on that one just because I'm going to dream. I started, I, started, the... I started daydreaming while you were saying it out loud. I was like, oh, wow, the Jays being that good. <laughs> That'd be cool. There's be something f- to be said for being a good defensive shortstop, or at least look better with Chapman there. Uh, we, we've seen like Marcus Simeon's like outs above average, like his uh, defensive rating through Statcast was a very different when he was standing next to Marcus Chapman. Uh, sorry, Matt Chapman uh, with you know in Oakland versus times when Chapman wasn't there. Um, there's something to be said for how a elite an elite third baseman protects a shortstop and Bo. Bo actually grades out pretty well at most things except for coming in on the ball. And again, Chapman just with his quick first step and being able to cut in front of shortstop on those choppers can take away some of those opportunities from Bo anyway. So um, yeah, he's going to be a huge help to to Bo. And I, I don't think we're really all that worried about him defensively this year. And the last one we got surveyor Brett, whose prediction is that bagged milk will catch a foul ball when we do our nation vacation to Toronto to watch Blue Jays games this summer. Um, I will put that one in an absolute 10 because I believe in my boy bagged milk's ability to catch baseballs at baseball games. Um, okay, let's wrap this if up. He does get one. Don't hold on. If he, if he does get one, don't 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 give it to a kid like I did. Keep it. It's the worst, worst, worst mistake of my life. <laughs> <laughs> this kid, I, I tell the story as, as often as I can. I gave a kid a foul ball, or sorry, it was a it was a batting practice ball, and then he wound up getting two more balls in the same game, and I didn't get a single one. He got three. This is why you have a child and then take your child to the game, <laughs> so that you accumulate baseballs through your child. They, <laughs> yeah, they find coomsies who are suckers. And if we catch one, we keep it no matter what, because there's a child present. And if another adult catches one, you get it because the five-year-old's asking for it. So that's why I had a kid. It, it's worked out tremendously well. <laughs> the whole reason. That's the, that's the whole yeah, reason. It's the whole, exactly. It's the whole appeal. Uh, all right. Let's wrap up with our own bold predictions for the season. I know we've sprinkled a few in here and there, but uh, Coomzy, what do you got for us right off the jump? Oh, geez. So many different things. So many different things. Um, oh, that's really tough. I, uh, I, I, I quite like the Alec Manoa is going to get, um, uh, Cy Young votes thing, but I don't think that's that bold. I think we're going to see Gabe Moreno traded mid season for a very good player. Wow. I think the Jays are going to make a huge splash. They're going to, it's not, it's not Jose Ramirez. He's off the table now, <laughs> but there's going to be a different guy. And they're going to, they're going to, Jose, uh, Gabe Moreno will be involved in the trade or Elvis Martinez will be the one that sticks around. We're going to have a very empty prospect covered. I wish the people trip. listening to this podcast could see BK's reaction to what you just said. Cause I would imagine you're not happy with this take. You're gonna- Coomsey is no longer a part of the Gabby hive. He has been kicked out of the club, no longer invited <laughs> to the meetings. Uh, and we will now have to pay for his drinks. Uh, because yeah, Gabby is the real deal. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't see them trading him. I don't think they, I don't think they would. Uh, I'm going to throw a one on that. Um, <laughs> by all indications, all indications, uh, the organization obsessively loves this guy and all of the prospects they have traded, which has been a lot have been guys. They did not obsessively love. And in modern day baseball, GMs just don't do that anymore. They have their untouchable list and it's not because of where they rank on a top 100 list, but they've got their own internal idea 
and any front office that is like, yeah, we we've got a high probability on this guy becoming a star player, like high probability and they're close to the big leagues. I just don't see it happening. But also I very much have a strong affinity for <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the president of the Gabby Hive. That's right. So is your bold uh, take also going to be connected to him? Uh, no, Gabby, uh, Gabby wins, uh, MVP is actually my bold take. No, um, <laughs> uh, that, that, yeah, that's a good question. I think, uh, we're going to see the blue Jays rotation lead all of baseball and ERA. That's, that's my bold, bold prediction is lowest rotation ERA in all of baseball. Oh, random thought. Okay. So here's something I just, that just popped into my head. How many different guys do you think we're going to see start for the blue Jays this year? Make us start. I don't think we have to counting not openers, right? Not not counting the openers. So we we don't need to think if David Phelps comes in and starts for consider that a Nate Pearson starter. If you want to use Nate Pearson as your yeah. starter, don't just think of him and all the openers as one. Stripling Pearson. So th- like there's seven. seven that right off the bat I'm comfortable with. And then do we dip into the minors and see like a you know, a couple injuries, you know, we see a Bowden Francis start, uh, an Anthony K start who did not pitch well in AAA today, by the way. Um, I, I'm going to put the number at nine, um, which even still feels light. I'm going to, no, I'm going to say 10. I'm going to say there's going to be 10, uh, different starters for the Jays. Um, not that the rotation gets like horribly hurt, but they're just going to dip into it from here and there. If a couple guys do get hurt, even just for, you know, a short, uh, IL stint, you know, dip into the prospect pool, see uh, Thomas Hatch, another name, right? Like they've got guys that they're at least moderately comfortable with giving major league starts to. So um, yeah, I'm going to say 10, 10 is the number. In 2016, it was only seven. And that seems insane. That That's year was like, it's whack of that. Unbelievable. That was, that was like Aaron Sanchez, borderline Cy Young season. It was right? a Stroman, Hap, Sanchez, Estrada, Dickey, Liriano, and Hutchison and spread three. And wow, that yeah. was when Aaron Sanchez was the best ERA in the American League. So we're like marveling at the like greatest rotation health of all time. And it was still seven, right? Like that just doesn't happen. And that sounds impossible. And that number was seven. So yeah, I'm going to say 10. And if they stumble into like extreme rotation health luck this year, then I mean the division, like they have to win the division then that's, you know, that's one of those variables that could go, you know, negatively and hurt things, but I'm feeling pretty good about what this rotation can do when healthy. Uh, we, uh, my bold take is kind of tied to that. I'm going to say Hunjin Ryu has a bounce back. Um, his ERA was 4.37 last season. It was 2.69 the year before that. I'm going to say it ends in the 2.9 range is my bold prediction this year. I think the stability of being in a big league park and being in Toronto will give him a boost as well. I think having a little bit of an improved defense in terms of Matt Chapman will help him. And I just think he's just too talented to not bounce back a little bit. I'm not saying this guy's, you know, going to be in any sort of Cy Young conversations, but I think he is a very solid bounce back and the ERA comes just a hair below three this year. Uh-huh. That's uh yeah, that's a, a great bold prediction. Um, I'm glad somebody else on this pod joined me in having a great bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going uh, to yeah. actually ask you guys, I'm going to say one more, even more fucked yep. up thing than my other one. And I had to sneak this in somewhere, somewhere I was going to, I was going to try and sneak it in earlier, but then I thought it kind of worked for the end. So I've seen a lot of people on, on, on social say, this is the most hype they've ever seen for a Blue Jays team. I think I agree, but I'm not sure that's hundred percent accurate. Cause I think the 2013 team also had this much hype. 
Do you guys they were, have, world, they were a World Series favorite on Sunday? Like it's yeah. weird to think back to that. And that it wasn't was, just manufactured hype. Like yeah. it was outside of Toronto, people thought they were gonna be good too. Yeah. Like there was legit hype. Like people were like World Series, it's gonna be the Jays and whoever they Jose Reyes, sorry, Dickie, blah, blah, blah. Do you guys have any anxiety that this year goes like another 2013? Not, not like a full flop, like they win fucking 60 games, but things go that sideways, you know? Do you have any anxieties? I think they're just too deep. I, I, I just look at it and I, and you look at what the order, like the batting order will look like. And if two or three guys get hurt and have, or have bad years for any long stretch, you're still going to have four just quality, quality hitters, four or five quality, quality hitters in your lineup every single night. And that's still better than a lot of teams. So I think even if there are injuries, even if there's guys slumping right off the bat, even with the rotation, you could say this as well with how deep they look, they can cover long enough and keep themselves in the fight until deadline, which is when, again, I think you'd look at this team and you'd go, hey, are we three games out of a playoff spot at the deadline? Cause we've been insanely hurt all year. We're buying because guys are going to get healthy and we believe in this group. So I don't, I'm not that nervous that this season goes sideways. So who are you trading at the deadline? Man? <laughs> <laughs> don't say it. Don't say it. I'm, I'm, not, not, yeah, I'm not, not, not Gabby. <laughs> not Gabby. Everyone, I, but if I'm not remembering the full like 25 man roster from the 2013 season, but that to me, I, I, if I recall, that was a, like a stars and scrubs team where you had like names and good players. Um, but you were relying heavily on the health of Jose Reyes and Josh Johnson. And that was just a big bet to make. And I'm glad they did it. And it was fun to go into a season hype like that, but the path to that season going poorly, and this is easy to say in hindsight, but the path to that season going poorly, when you look at that roster is a lot easier to see happening than this particular roster. Cause there can be things that go wrong with the Jays where they can still be really solid and, and things go wrong with other teams too, right? Like the Yankees aren't going to have perfect health when Stanton judge and Donaldson are pillars of their offense and the Red Sox have their issues. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, Tampa, Tampa probably has a pretty high floor, um, but you could see them falling short of their ceiling if they don't stumble into magic. Right. So, I mean, other teams deal with this stuff too. I don't see that as likely. And I see this as a much, a comfortably much better setup positioned, whatever you want to say team than 2013. All right. Bye, uh, okay. Let's wrap it up with this. Cause we are well over an hour now. Uh, the blue oh, Jays oh, are an hour 10 already. So I, uh, I BK's wiped. He's exhausted. Um, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the latest time zone. I'm flying. I know. That's why I said, that's why I said BK. Cause he's in the earliest time. zone. the no, the no drinks Coca-Cola. I'm telling you. Ugh. Toronto blue Jays win total at points bet is set at 92 and a half. I'm assuming we would all say they hit that, but let's wrap up with this. What is the final record for the Toronto Blue Jays and do they win the division? I'm going to say 94 wins is my prediction. Um, And yeah, I think in, I I could even go and be predicting like 97, 98 in easier divisions. They just, you know, they're going to get beat up a little bit by some of these hard teams they have to face. But uh, yeah, let's, let's go with 94. Um, and, and kind of anywhere like above 90 is, is just kind of where I expect them to end up. So, you know, 91, 92, 93, none of those would surprise me. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a good team. This is a really good team. It'll be 
fun to follow and a 94 win team in this division would be a phenomenal season to experience as a fan. I'm I'm going with 94 here. It's right in between where they finished in 2015 and right in between where they finished 1983, which is 95 wins, 93 wins, 94. And my prediction is also that they finish in between those two results in which they reach the world series, but they do not win. They lose the LA Dodgers. That's my thought. I also don't think they win the division. I think Tampa wins. I think the Jays are the best wildcard team. I think we're in for a good year. I'm going to say I'll go even higher than you guys. I'm going to say 96. They win the division and they make it to the World Series. I think it's very easy to buy into the hype right now, but that's because this lineup is absolutely loaded. This roster is just primed for a massive year. It's just it's so easy to get excited about so many different players and their fits with this team. And the fact that they're going to be in Toronto all year is huge. You talk about the tough division and how they have some teams that might beat up on them. I think the the vaccine thing is one part of it, but I also think the Jays are just good enough to also potentially beat up on those teams once in a while. Think about down the stretch last year when the Jays beat up on the New York Yankees in that series. And, and that was one of those moments that really sparked the stretch drive for them. I'm going to say 96 and they make the World Series and they win their division. So uh, I went last because I wanted to be extremely optimistic and maybe kind of end the podcast on that note because I'm a little selfish as well. Um, but we'll be doing one of these if you're new to the show after every single series this season, whether it's a two gamer or a four gamer we will have a 20 to 30 minute podcast releasing the day of or the day after to recap what we saw and we'll be with you throughout the entire season um and that is possible because of our great sponsors like points bet canada live in ontario right now twig and berries the sports closet get a jersey before the season starts what's wrong with you and bjn or sorry doordash promo code bjn pod dd when you're watching jay's games you don't want to cook use doordash again don't be stupid um bk this was a lot of fun this was a long podcast but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks guys. I'm putting up for 97 wins. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to call it right now. 97 wins for the Toronto blue Jays this season. Yeah. Thanks guys. It's good, uh, good to preview the season. If I'm, I'm going to change my bet. They're going to win a hundred. <laughs> I'm the most positive guy here. Yeah, Tyler, the Tyler's the most negative guy in the pod. Interesting. Negative Tyler betting them to win like 36 games, like it's 2013 all over again. Okay, Tyler, trade Moreno, trade everybody. Off the rails to finish. (laughs) Episode 65 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Thanks for tuning in and join us as the Blue Jays go on a run and win 102 games. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.